Hi everyone, I'm Haley Griffiths and this is The Science of Social Media, a podcast by Buffer, your weekly sandbox for social media stories, insights, experimentation, and learning. Welcome to episode number 107. I'm Brian Peters and this week we're here to talk to you all about psychology and how it can help you with your social media marketing. We pulled together seven things that all social media marketers should know and we can't wait to share them with you today. It has been a while since we've had a good psychology episode, so this is going to be great. Let's kick off the show. Before we get started, let's talk about marketers using psychology for a moment, because most marketers are not, of course, psychologists, although if you are... That's a huge leg up, (laughs) but many successful marketers are regularly using psychology to help them be better at their jobs and connect with their audience. We're all about being thoughtful and honest marketers who use psychology ethically and respectfully to attract and engage an audience. Really well said, Brian. With that in mind, let's jump right into the psychology. First off, and I love this one, is that one of the best ways to build trust and credibility for your brand is to be transparent and not shy away from your flaws. So if you are familiar with us here at Buffer, you know that we are a company that's all about transparency. It's one of our core values and you can go online right now and look up how much money Buffer is making and even check out what Brian and I make. Now, (laughs) we are not transparent because of the marketing benefits, but after becoming transparent, we definitely saw more and more benefits, including marketing ones that have been awesome as a result of our transparency. Mm-hmm, absolutely. Like, to this day, it's super powerful. So let's talk a little bit about why transparency is so powerful. Well, it's no secret that people tend to question marketing claims and for good reason, many marketing claims simply aren't credible. So the way to gain trust is to be transparent and right off the bat, be transparent, point out your flaws or product shortcomings, be really open about what your product does and does not do. You can do this on social media posts, ads and engagement when customers are asking questions. There are tons of opportunities to be more open and start building trust with your audience. Yeah, and I love that you mentioned ads as well. So I found potentially the original example of this in advertising. Really? Yeah, it is still referenced in textbooks today from 1949. Wow. Volkswagen came out with an ad pointing out their own flaws. It's known as the lemon ad. So the word lemon is the headline, and then there's a photo of a Volkswagen Beetle. And then below it, the copy reads, quote, This Volkswagen missed the boat. The chrome stripe on the glove compartment is blemished and must be replaced. Chances are you wouldn't have noticed it. Inspector Kurt Kroner did. End quote. So they they just like went on to talk about how important attention to detail is for them. And it is a famous example now of how to optimize credibility. And it is so easy to replicate. Wow. Nice find, Haley. Is that and also is that where the word lemon comes from when describing a car? Oh, gosh, maybe this is it could be double learnings here on the science of social media. (laughs) All right. The second psychology fact that we're touching on today is that emotions are really powerful and even contagious. Evoking strong emotions can increase the likelihood of something being shared according to a report by the psychological science. And while any content that was emotional did affect the audience, the University of Penn found that more specifically, positive content had the best results. The more positive the content, the more it was shared. This is because uh, it makes the person who is interacting with that content more positive and happy. So they are far more likely to want to share it and then, of course, spread the happiness. And emojis have a really interesting place in all of this as well. So as humans, 
mimicking expressions when you're face to face is one of the ways that we become closer with each other. And scientists found that using an an emoji activates the same parts of your brain and it replicates that same experience as if we were face to face. And it is making us all more connected. And um, didn't Apple just come out with those new emojis that like match your exact facial expressions a little while ago? Yes, they did. The emojis, I believe they're called. Yeah. I wonder if that amplifies it. <laughs> well, you know, it's funny is that like whenever I put an emoji in a text or something, I like internally make the face in my head. Like I try to replicate it. Do you, do you do Just that? in your head though? You don't like do the well, facial sometimes, expression? Sometimes. Like <laughs> if I'm trying to really convey the emotion. Uh, yeah, you can't I've see it. That. I'm doing it right now. But, um, <laughs> So there are a lot of ways you can use this information to your advantage as social media manager or marketers or business owners. A great place to start is to look at the tone of your social post and check them for positivity and happiness. Then try and share some more feel-good stories from your customers or in the other content that you curate or create. A few other things that you can do here are use humor in your content. Of course, add positive and happy emojis to your post. All the emojis. Next up, let's talk about something called the halo effect and just how much it really affects us. So the halo effect is a type of immediate judgment discrepancy or cognitive bias where a person makes an initial assessment of another person, place or thing, and will assume ambiguous information based upon concrete information. So to sum this all up, it's kind of like the expression, you never get a second chance to make a great first impression. That yeah, That's a really great quote. And, you know, it's funny because, you know, I was a communication studies major in college and we, are, we all have cognitive bias, whether we know it or not. So I guess it's like first step, admit that you have cognitive bias. Um, but what this means in practice is that we tend to allow a single attractive quality of a person or brand influence our judgment for other unrelated aspects. And what we really want to emphasize here is how much celebrity endorsements can influence perceptions of a brand like we talked about last episode with influencer marketing where the audience might associate the traits of a celebrity with the brand or product so essentially what we're saying is that influencer marketing works it's backed by psychology it totally works i've definitely followed an account because i like the photography and then found myself like browsing dresses that they've shared yeah like how do you get down that slope you know it's yeah I was looking at architecture. Now I'm buying dresses. <laughs> like all of a sudden I'm Anyways. buying a dress. Yeah. Yeah. What, what, this even make even sense. me, I'm like, how did I end up buying a dress? I don't know. <laughs> well, influencer marketing clearly works. Um, and the other thing that's important here is social proof. So there are some ways that you can leverage the halo effect in your social media marketing. A few examples, you can highlight a recognizable customer, like do a case study or get a customer testimonial. You can work with a recognizable influencer to sell us dresses or get a celebrity endorsement. And you can also associate with cool companies that enhance your brand. And this is something that we do a lot at Buffer. And it's something that we recommend because it is probably like an easier access point into this sort of partnership. So the fourth piece of psychology we want to chat through today is reciprocity. So the concept concept of reciprocity, I I hope we don't have to say that too many more times here, uh, (laughs) is simple. If someone does something for you, you naturally will want to do something for them. This is right from Dr. Robert Cialdini's book, Influence, The Psychology of Persuasion. And I think we've all experienced this experience this, if a friend invites you to their party, for example, it may feel like there's an obligation for you to invite them to a future party that you are hosting. 
Yes. And in the context of a social obligation, people are more likely to say yes to those who they owe. So what's interesting here is that the key to using the reciprocity principle is to be the first to give and to ensure that what you give is personalized and unexpected. So for social media marketers, business owners, anyone running an account, that might mean giveaways, free content, and unexpected resources. These are all great examples of giving something first. Mm-hmm, definitely. And this is, this again is something that we've done at Buffer in the past, though. I don't think we knew what the principle was really called before <laughs> this episode, but it also has really, uh, it's worked really well for us. We've sent people who participated in our Twitter chat for the first time stickers. It was an, you know, unexpected by them. And I'm sure people kept coming back because of that. Um, our customer service on, you know, via reply is also a really good example of that, of customers spreading the word about Buffer because of a great experience they had with our customer service team. So, if, so think of ways you can use reciprocity in your social media marketing, and it can be anything from stickers to a book, maybe a free design template, you name it. Just be sure you're giving away the free thing before you ask for something in return. All right. Let's see if I can pronounce this next one. It is called the Bader-Meinhof phenomenon. Or, well done. Thank you. The less complicated version of this is frequency illusion. So the phenomenon occurs when the thing that you've just noticed or experienced or been told about, suddenly it's everywhere. It crops up all the time. It gives you this feeling that out of nowhere, pretty much everyone you know is talking about this thing that you just noticed. And you are not crazy. <laughs> you are <laughs> seeing it more often. But the thing is, that's because you're noticing it more often. Okay, I've definitely experienced this and I did not know it was called the Biter Meinhof phenomenon. So I, that's that's like a it's a fun fact for your next dinner party. Yeah, yeah. I have experienced this like last week, so I was really excited about this. <laughs> Good find, yet again. Uh, so according to PS Mag, this phenomenon is caused by two processes. The first process is selective attention. And it kicks in when you're struck by a new word, thing, or idea. After that, you unconsciously keep an eye out for it. And as a result, find it surprisingly often. The second process is confirmation bias. And it reassures you that each sighting is further proof of your impression and that the thing has gained overnight popularity. For marketers, this phenomenon is precisely why nurturing is incredibly important. Once someone starts noticing your brand or your product or whatever it might be, Maybe they've come across a Facebook post or they've gone to your website. You want to just help them along so they can start seeing you everywhere. One of the best ways to do this is to send them retargeting ads and Facebook pixel, which we've talked about before, is a really great tool to do just that. So mm -hmm. make it your strategy so that these people will start seeing you all the time once they find you the first time. Right. Great call, Haley. All right. Now let's talk about color. This might be the part of psychology that marketers are more familiar with. We chatted about colors back in episode number 61 and specifically why Facebook is blue. Colors are powerful because they affect people's behaviors and how they perceive your brand. You might not have thought about the fact that color could impact social media strategy, but the psychology behind colors proves that they are worth the extra effort. Yes, they are. According to a study called Impact of Color on Marketing, People make up their minds within 90 seconds of their initial interactions with either people or products, and about 62 to 90% of the assessment is based solely on colors. And what's interesting here is that although certain colors do tell us specific things, and we will get to that in just a minute, it's less about the meaning behind the colors, and it's more about whether or not the colors line up with what people are expecting from your brand and that personality. Ah, that's interesting. Now I'm like thinking about all the brands that align with my 
my color expectations. <laughs> uh, so a big takeaway here is to start considering color in your social media content and planning, but also to think about how color lines up with your brand voice and tone. So let's take a look at some information from Kiss Metrics, uh, where they looked at color in a study. According to them, here are a few popular colors and what they make us feel. Uh, feel. Yellow, optimism and youth. Red, scent of urgency. Blue, trust and security. Green, wealth and relaxation. Orange, aggressive. Pink, romantic. Black, powerful. And purple, calm. I like green. <laughs> yeah, wealth and relaxation. It's nice. Well, to wrap up, let's talk about the psychology behind sharing. So we're all looking for more engagement on our posts, and we want to share content that really resonates with people. And luckily for us, the New York Times conducted a massive study a while back about the psychology of online sharing. They named five primary motivators for sharing, and we will take a look at each of these. But most notably, they talked about how there's a common thread for all of these motivations, and that's that people are motivated to share based on their relationships with their network online. Yeah, so so as marketers, we should really be focusing on creating and sharing content with our audience that will enhance their relationships as a result of sharing it. Um, yeah, that, so that's that. Now let's look at those five motivators for a little extra context around this. First, the main reason that people share online, and this one had 94% of people in agreement, was because they wanted to better the lives of others, which is just what we were talking about. Second, they wanted the content to reflect their online identity. This was 68% of people who said that they share content to better define themselves. So something to think about here is whether the content you're sharing could be a part of someone's identity after they share it. That is really fascinating to think about, even with like reflecting on my own social sharing. Right. Um, anyways, <laughs> number three for the motivators to share is to grow and nourish relationships. 80% of respondents said that the main reason that they're sharing online is because it helps them stay connected to their network online. And fourth is that people share content because they enjoy consuming the content more. When they share it, they feel like having others comment on it and engage is like a good feeling for them. So the motivator here is kind of self-fulfillment. Yeah, it's a good one. You know, it's funny because I'd encourage if you're a brand or a business owner listening to this podcast right now, go back through all your content and ask, you know, ask yourself, would I share this, right? Or like, yeah. would my friend share this content? Um Finally, and this is a motivator I love, people share online because they want to spread the word about something that they believe in. This was 84% of respondents who said that they want to support causes and brands that they care about through sharing about them online. So all of these are super powerful, great episode in psychology. So remember what we said at the beginning of this section, the common theme here is that people are motivated to share based on their relationships with their network online. So Definitely keep that in uh, mind next time you're loading up your buffer queue. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Science of Social Media today. The show notes for this episode are now available on the Buffer blog at blog.buffer.com with a complete transcript. And if you ever want to get in touch with me or Brian, we are always here for you on social media. Use the hashtag Buffer Podcast to make sure we see your tweets. And you can also say hi to us anytime at hello at buffer.com. As always, thank you so, so much for your iTunes reviews. It's awesome to read through all of your kind comments there. And as we always say, we do read through them. So thank you so much. Best of luck using these neat psychology discoveries to help you in your social media content creation and sharing this week and beyond. So let us know if these, any, any of these tactics work particularly well for you. Until next Monday, everyone. <laughs>